Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of A Visit to the Mound. I'm Lark Smith, along with Stan Huff. And our special guest today is Andy Hawkins, a former major league pitcher for the San Diego Padres, the New York Giants, and the Oakland A's. Andy, thanks for being with us today. Sorry for being late here, bud, but I appreciate your, your patience. No, that's, that's <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. At this point in history, you are the only Padre pitcher to have ever won a World Series game. Would you please share with us some of your memories from that experience of winning that World Series game? I was scared to death. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I mean, we hadn't been down there. We just barely barely got in our seats down there in the bullpen, and uh, Detroit just jumped on us quick that day, and I hadn't even got – my coffee drank and phone's ringing and uh i'm up on the mountain not even knowing what i'm doing but i was just i was just running on adrenaline man i was scared <laughs> what uh okay that was at 84 19- yeah, 1984 yeah uh I, that's when uh well detroit actually won that one didn't they they sure did they how, had a great team that year. yeah how did uh kurt gibson's on that team wasn't he Oh yeah, Alan Trammell, Lou Trammell, Whitaker, Whitaker, Jack yeah, Mark, yeah, Lance Parrish. Lance Parrish, yeah, I played against him in minor leagues too. Um, did you? Yeah, I did. And uh, that team they had in Bristol in '74 was uh, most all those guys pitched the big leagues. Fidrich was on that team too. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark the Bird Fidrich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, he's weird. But yeah, anyway, that's a name from the past. There. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, well, how many innings you pitch in that game, Andy? I went five and two thirds. Five and two thirds. That's... Yeah, gave us a little bit of time, and Kurt Bavaka ended up hitting a three-run home run to circle the bases, blowing kisses to his wife up the seat. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta like that. Well, yeah. now when you when you're over with the Yankees, you threw a no hitter, and uh, I think you got beat. What, can you talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely can. I've done it every year for the last 30 years, for a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think last year was the 30th anniversary of it, so they called me up about July 11th, and so we went all through it. But it's uh, something to get asked about a lot. It was, uh, it was the last game that the Yankees played the Chicago White Sox at Old Comiskey Field, and they uh, played many, many, many games there. Yeah. 
it was a day game, and the wind was blowing really hard that day. And we had a good defensive out, you know, defensive team on the field, except we had a rookie catcher playing left field, and he was just out of position. It wasn't his fault, but you know, he um, we were sailing along there. They had a no hitter going for five innings themselves, so this game was flying along pretty good, you know. And right, and uh, got in the bottom of the eighth inning. We got two out. Had a ground ball at third base, and Mike Blowers kind of got his feet tangled up a little bit. And anyway, they um, officially ruled it a hit. I originally ruled it a hit, and then they changed their mind because everybody in the, in the stadium was booing, and people were coming out of the dugout. And, and so, for there for a second, I thought, well, it's over with, you know. But then they changed it right away. And I think, well, no, it's not over with. Still got to know here going here. And uh, I walked. Lance Johnson, number nine hitter, and at that next the next hitter was Ozzy Gian. He was hitting like three seventy five, and I wasn't gonna let him, you know, beat us because still nothing, nothing. Runner second, and I walked him too, so I had the bases loaded, and uh, still two outs, and they hit that fly ball to left field. Kind of got up there in that wind, and that stadium, you know, you got that awning there where the wind blows through one section of it, then blows over the top. And, right. Tough left field for a, a rookie catcher who was really not a left fielder, and he dropped it. And all three of the runs scored because they were running with two outs. And uh, right, next hitter came up, hit the fly ball to right field, and Justin Barfield was Gold Glove outfielder. He he stayed under it, he battled it. It was just a routine fly, but it was right in the sun, man. He just could not see it. But, but to his credit, though, he didn't peel off like a lot of guys would. They might get hit by baseball. He stayed right there, and they clanked off of his glove. He took an error for it, but it saved my no-hitter. And um, another run scored. So there's four runs and eight eight innings in the eighth inning there, and we come back in, three up, three down, it's game over. Wow. <laughs> what uh, what Steinbrenner do, what did he say about that? I'm sure he had something to say about it. He did. He uh, actually, we went back to uh, New York right after that. We went to uh, Kansas City, then back to New York, and he. Uh, we were taking batting practice, and somebody calls me off the field into the dugout because the phone had to go answer a phone. I never done that before. And he says, "George," and George is real kind. He's very appreciative and. He offered me a Jeep Wrangler. He wanted to give me a Jeep Wrangler for doing that. I'll be down. Wow. Well, that's I not said, the I, not the only I time. Said, some, go ahead. Yeah, I said thank you, George. I'm I'm a Ford guy. <laughs> <laughs> <Turned it down. laughs> well, you had something uh, similar happen because you were throwing a no hitter against the White Sox at Yankee Stadium when rain halted the game in the seventh inning. Right. That the same year. I think it might have been two starts later. Melito Perez threw a, uh, a rain short and no hitter against me too. So it was, it was a weird situation there. You know, in the the um, I guess the next start after that no hitter was in New York for me. I, mean, I went ten and two thirds that day and got beat two to nothing. <laughs> oh golly! Well, that's so I, my two best starts of my career. I, I lost them both. <laughs> Well, and, and I understand pitching. I understand that season you started the game against the Twins, pitched into the 12th inning, and that makes you the last major league starter to pitch that deep into a game. Well, I'm not surprised by that because the way the game has changed, you know. It just, the emphasis on starters going deep in the game is long, long gone. 
Well, that's so that's true. Nobody's ever going to do it, I don't think, because it's just not the way the game's played now. Wow. I tell you what, if if you got starters going deep into the game, you got a fresher bullpen at the end of the year. And if you're in a playoff situation, that's where you win ball games right there. But Man, you're old school. You're old school just like me. <laughs> well, one year I managed, we had 16 complete games, and the closest one to us had one. We won the championship that year, but I, I got to tell you, it was because our bullpen was fresher than theirs was. It, they were worn out. But anyway, that's a story for another day. I, I'd love, I'd love pitching for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy, once you completed your playing career, you went into coaching. Tell us a little bit about that part of your baseball journey. Yeah, I called uh, Reed Nichols up with the Rangers one day, and I thought if I'm going to get back in the game, I'd like to get back in close by, you know. And so I called. He was with the Rangers, player development, and met him up there. And he gave me a job at Savannah, Georgia. So I started coaching and. And I went to uh, Savannah, Georgia for the first few years of my, my coaching career and was very happy to get it started that way. And ended up um, getting to Oklahoma City, and, and I, was, I was enjoying it. I thought I was doing okay with it. And they called me in to dug out again. They said, hey, general manager wants to talk to you. And they, they fired Mark Connor, the big league pitching coach of the Rangers, and and they said, you're going up and being the pitching coach for the, the Rangers. And I said, well, I don't, okay, I'm sure I'm ready for that, but I'll go. <laughs> and uh, so I ended that year, and they, they brought in Mike Maddox, who I consider to be the, the best pitching coach in, in baseball today. And they brought him in, and I was his bullpen coach for the next eight years. And they were really good years. We went to a couple of World Series. Should have won that, that second one for sure. Mm. But um got away from it but um it was a great experience coaching i got to meet a lot of people got to know nolan ryan and some other people and president bush and it was just you know it was a real honor for me to be around those people and, and to be in that kind of company and it was it was a lot of fun i mean the organization was just on a high at the time and it was it was outstanding and, and right now i'm so happy to see them so, you know doing so well and not surprised because their pitching coach again is mike maddox mm -hmm. Uh, not surprisingly, their their run differential is just incredible, and it's because of the pitching, I think. But I'm a pitching guy; that's the way I am. But anyway, it was it was a great career coaching, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Who within your career had the most influence in making you a successful major league pitcher? My dad. Let's. <laughs> I thought. I good thought answer. Many, I've thought about this many times. I've, I've been fortunate to run across some really good coaches in my time from when I was in midway there's Ken Beverly who I consider to be a Texas Hall of Fame coach and should be in there um, I missed out on, on Coach Sullivan at Baylor and Coach Taft and I only regret I have about not going to Baylor I missed out seeing those two gentlemen but I've had some really good people influence me on my way but I sat back and thought about it and I still think to this day the greatest coach I ever had was my dad and actually still is Outstanding uh, of the pitchers that you had the opportunity to coach, who took the most advantage of their talent and their opportunity? Edison Volquez. Interesting. I had Ed yep, I had Edison Volquez in A-ball. had him again in double-A, uh, or excuse me, triple-A. And there was a couple of times when I had, had to talk to him into continuing playing baseball at that time because he was in a rough part of his life, and he almost quit a couple of times, but 
I think he ended up having a great career. He uh, was just an outstanding young man and just just ultra talented. And uh, I think he had a I think he had a really really good career, and I'm really proud of him. That's good. What uh well Andy uh so you coast a while you trying to get back in or what? What are you doing now? You know, that, you know that thought crosses my mind every time I turn television on or go to sleep. But <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but um, I'm I'm a home inspector in Surprise Arizona right now, so that's what I'm doing. I see Surprise. That is a surprise. surprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about a mile and a half down from where the Rangers training complex. Is. Well, you can go down there and say <laughs> hello to them and all that. Uh, I do. You? I do. I, I saw several of them this spring training. I go see some ball games. You know, it's, uh, I've been out of the game now for four years, and it's really hard to get back in, you know, once yeah. you've been out that long. So I'm, I'm I can putting, attest to that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just putting it to rest, you know, and moving on with my life and just being thankful for what I was, I was able to do while I had the opportunity. Well, listen, we do appreciate the time with you, and glad we got to got to sit down and talk about this and put it on the and record it. So, uh, Listen, we're going to wish you the best. We're going to say so long for now. Hope you. I appreciate it, buddy. Look forward to seeing you again when I get back to Waco. You bet. Yeah, take care of yourself. All right, Andy. All right. Thank you. You bet. Well, that's our time for this episode of A Visit to the Mound. Many thanks to our special guest today, Andy Hawkins, and thanks to you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, anything you would like for us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Visit to the Mound or on our website at a visit to the mound.com. Make sure you like subscribe and review this podcast and be listening the next time we make a visit to the mound. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of a visit to the mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.